Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, you guys, if you're new with us uh, this morning, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been studying through the book of Psalms, just a couple Psalms. And last week we went through Psalm 121. I'm trying my best to not go so long, so bear with me. But sometimes I feel like there's so much content in these that, that we try to get through. And this morning we're going to be in Psalm 128. And I want to preface this morning by saying this. Um, it's easy sometimes to assume that as I talk about these things um, on your behalf that somehow I've got these things figured out and I just do not. And as I was reading and studying through this psalm this week, um, it just became very evident to me that as we talk about the fear of the Lord this morning, that it's something like I myself am trying to bite off and figure out what that looks like. Um, it's a pretty weighty concept. And, um, and so I, I want to preface it by saying that I haven't got this figured out, and I don't know all things. That's new to my wife, I know, but uh, I, I just don't have everything figured out. But trying my best to seek Jesus and figure out what it is he is wanting to do in and through us and teach us through his word. So would you guys just pray with me before we get started this morning? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Um, God, we believe that it is a light, and there's something powerful about it, God, your written word. And I pray, Lord, that this morning uh, as we approach your word, that uh, we approach it in humility. Um, God, we approach it with open hearts and open minds and open hands this morning, asking you to search our hearts and to search us, God, and, and um, Jesus, to point out the things in us that um, that are selfish, the things in us that are trying to find our own agenda in our own way, and the things in us that lack humility. Lord, point out in us where there's walls that have been built up and areas that we've just um, deliberately tried to keep you out of. And I pray this morning, God, as we open your word, that um, these walls will be broken down, the things that inhibit us would be broken down. Jesus, that there be freedom in this place, and that more, most importantly, God, that your word would have its way in us and you would transform us, God. We believe that your word is powerful, Jesus. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray this morning, God, that as it goes into us, God, that it would change us and it would also produce fruit from our lives, Jesus. So we give this time to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Awesome. You guys all right? Psalm 128 is where we're going to be at. Um, let's read this. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Uh, last week I had prefaced the psalm by saying Psalm 120 through 134 are these psalm of ascents. So you'll see that subtitle written in your Bibles underneath each of these psalms. And these were psalms that were sung as the Jews were making their way to Jerusalem, pilgrimage pilgrimaging their way to uh, Jerusalem three times a year for these major feasts. Um, so you have the Feast of Passover, you have the Feast of Pentecost, and then you have this Feast of um, Tabernacles. And as they were making their way to Jerusalem three times a year, these, songs, these psalms were being sung. 
And so these were reminders, as we talked about last week, that they were constantly being reminded of these attributes of God, who God is, that he's first and foremost, that he is God and we are not, and who it is we are to be in God's um, eyes, what it looks like for us to walk this out, to follow his ways. And so they were these reminders, and they were singing them over and over again. And so this one, as last week, was one of those songs of ascents. But there's this theme in Psalm 128 that I want to talk about this morning. Um, I, I, I was watching this video not too long ago, and it was um, like an entrepreneur type guy that was teaching the seminar type thing online. And it's a guy who's very well known. Uh, people watch his stuff all the time. And I was watching this, the, the, this seminar he was giving, and he did this Q&A time in the seminar. And during this Q&A time, um, he, he opens it up like for open mic, and uh, this kid steps forward, and this kid grabs a mic, and um, he asks this question. He says, excuse me, how do I live off of passive income? And uh, the, this guy looks at him, and he and his first response is, how old are you? And the kid goes, I'm 22. And the guy says, what is it that you want to do? And the kid says, I want to do whatever I want. I want to watch Netflix. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to play video games. Like, I want to live my life and do whatever it is I want to do. And he said, and I heard that um, if I don't want to work, I need to learn how to live off of passive income. And, uh, and so this entrepreneur, like some of you, giggles. He, he laughs a little bit. And this entrepreneur looks at this kid, and he says, here's your problem. Your problem is you believe that this world exists. <laughs> this world where you can do what you want, where you don't have to work, and magically you can have this passive income that will just fund whatever it is that you want to do. And he says, the problem is that you believe this world is real. And he says to this kid, who told you this? Who told you that you could have this? And uh, this kid says, I bought this course online um, about a month ago, and this guy told me that I could be making like $5,000 a month in passive income so I could do whatever it is I want to do. And it was this guy from the internet. And the entrepreneur said, "Um, do you trust me? And the kid said, yeah, I trust you. That's why I'm here, and that's why I'm listening to what it is you have to say. And um, he said, the world that you're speaking of doesn't exist. And so he looks at the kid and he goes, here's what you need to do. He said, here's what every person that has ever achieved something, has built something, has accomplished something, created something um, of significance. Here's one thing that they've all had in common. And he goes, are you ready for it? And the kid's like on the edge, like, yeah, give me the, give me the, give me the, the nuts and bolts, man. Like, I want to know what to do. And he goes, go back to work. <laughs> he goes, go work. He goes, I don't have some sort of like secret method for you. I don't have some sort of gem that you need. Just go back to work and work for the things that you want. Again, he says, I don't have a secret for you. Like there's nothing new under the sun. Like just go work. And so as we read through Psalm 128, um, that's really like one of the messages that, that, that I kind of get from this passage that I was kind of deriving from this, is this is a power-packed passage. There's so much in here. Um, the, the, this is the, the message to the children of Israel. 
But one of the things you'll notice, if you've studied any Jewish culture and you, you know their heritage, um, you, you know that they lean a lot on the book of Deuteronomy, don't they? Um, that, that the Jews have um, the, this, this thing called the Shema, which is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And has anybody ever entered into a Jew's house? Have you ever seen a mezuzah? Anybody know what that is? It's like a little brass bar that you see mounted on their, their doorposts of their homes. And as they walk in, they either kiss it or they touch it. Um, and inside of this mezuzah is rolled up Deuteronomy 6. And what's interesting about the, the Jews is that um, they understand that as they're singing this psalm over and over again, there's nothing new that's being repeated here that they didn't already know. There's no new revelation being given to them through this passage, and they're singing this over and over. They're reminding themselves of this. In fact, from childhood, these Jews would have been raised in such a way that they would have known the book of Deuteronomy, studied it, like quoted it, written it out. Like they would have been in the mezuzahs, like on their doorposts as they walked in their homes and as they left their homes. It was constantly being reiterated to them. And so what's being repeated here in Psalm 128 is nothing new to them. It wasn't some new revelation. It was a simple and a really great reminder that you need to realize that the world you thought existed doesn't exist, that you need to go back to doing what God asked you to do and what he told you to do. So look at verse one and, and picture yourself as a Jewish child. You, you've grown up reading this, um, De Deuteronomy. You've grown up learning and memorizing the book of Deuteronomy. You were required to know everything about it. You've been a good Jew your whole entire life and, and you're marching along and excited to make your way into the party in Jerusalem three times a year and you sing this song. And here's the message that they sung. Verse one, blessed is everyone who what? Fears the Lord who what? Walks in his ways. So if you talk to any good Jew and you ask them, what do you believe about God? They're going to say this, God is loving and God is gracious and God is merciful. And they'll probably quote the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then you ask them, what, what does God ask you to do with what you believe? And they'll quote the rest of Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 6 to you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And this is why they go into the mezuzah and they're put on their doorposts to constantly be reminded of this, that there's one God, that they're children of that God, that they should love this God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might, and that the words that they're being commanded uh, to, to live out like, shall be written upon their hearts, that they should actually teach them to their children, and that they should talk of them when they sit in their house, and when they walk by the way, and when they lie down, and when they rise, that this is always being meditated on in their life. It's super simple. Fear God, love God, do what he says. And that's what they would say, that he's this loving, gracious, merciful God. And what does he ask us to do? Fear him 
and follow his ways. And so when you read through the book of Deuteronomy, this is the resounding message to the children of Israel. This is the theme. Fear God, follow his ways. And so I want to read a handful of passages to you from Deuteronomy. Is that right? You guys with me? And I want you to listen to these. Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Deuteronomy 8.6. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Deuteronomy 10.12-13. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 16. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. What an amazing declaration. This is just laced throughout the book of Deuteronomy. But we live in this day and age today that is referred to as the information age, isn't it? There's information being dished out at you constantly, every second of every day. There's more information available to you guys today than any prior generations before in history. Constantly, we are bombarded with information. You can learn anything you want. You can understand anything you want. You can go find videos on it and blogs written about this and that, and you can go research anything you want. But there comes a point in your life where you realize you don't need any more new information. Anybody get that? Like, I don't need any more. But do you know what the Jews' reaction to Psalm 128 would have been? They wouldn't have been surprised. They didn't think, oh my gosh, this brand new revelation that I never had before. Fear God and follow his ways. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. This is new. Like, I wish God would have told me this before. That would not have been their reaction. Hundreds of years prior to this, they would have studied this book of Deuteronomy, reading it, rereading it, memorizing it. It wasn't new information. Hundreds of years they've been hearing, fear God and follow his ways. What does it take? Fear God and follow his ways. But here's the kicker. If there's anything that, I, that, that, that I'm praying you can kind of latch onto this morning, it's this. This didn't require a new revelation for them. It actually required new determination for them. And sometimes what you need in your life is not new revelation. Sometimes you need new determination to fear God and to follow his ways. It's not about waiting for the answer that's going to fix your marriage. Some of you guys have been waiting for the answer that's going to fix everything in your life. Take away the addiction. Fix your marriage. That's actually going to fix all the issues that, that you have or that you have relationally with what, whatever it is. You're waiting for the new revelation that's going to be like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting forever. Like, why didn't you tell me this before, God? Like, just drop it in my lap so that I can have it and everything can be fixed. And I just want to tell you this morning that I don't think there's a need for new revelation this morning. I think that there's a need for new determination because I think we know. 
Some of you have been waiting for this divine moment when you receive this new revelation that will fix all your problems. And we think that once we get the new updated version 3.0 of the gospel in 2019, like all of a sudden we'll have understanding that we never had before. But you don't need new revelation. You just need to start doing what you know needs to be done. Fear the Lord and follow his ways. As, as childish as it sounds, like we need to quit fighting, quit calling each other names, quit yelling, quit screaming at one another, quit antagonizing and poking and prodding one another, quit trying to push each other's buttons, like just simply fear God and do what it is he says to do. You don't need this new revelation. You don't need something new to become more spiritual. Like, wake up every day and read the Bible and pray, and it's the only way to start your day. You know, I remember in high school, uh, the, my, my youth pastor at the time constantly saying, you need to be reading your Bible half an hour a day. And I was just like, I don't have time for that. Um, nor do I have the attention span for that. And you just push it away and push it away. And the older I've gotten, and... I think the more that I've gotten to know the Lord, the more that I've really desired to spend time with him in that way. Knowing that he deserves that time, but that my life also needs that time. That I don't need some new revelation from the Lord dropped in my lap, but I do need to get to know him in such a way that I can know what his ways are because his ways are revealed in his word. Lately, I've been going into my office, and this has been kind of my practice. And um, I, I'll like sit at my desk. And how many of you are super distracted by your phones? <laughs> I hate my phone. There's probably 45 text messages sitting on it right now, and I'm just like, sorry if you haven't got a text back. Like I don't have time to wade through and message. And I, it's just I hate talking on the phone, and I hate texting. Um, but one of the things I've been doing lately is like setting my phone on my desk and then my Bible on top, on top of my phone um, because I feel like it sort of drowns out the distraction of like reaching for my phone and kind of reminding myself of this simple thing like um, I can get to that after I get through this. <laughs> as simple as that sounds. And it's been a really good practice for me but that's, you know, th- these are determinations in my life. Like, I want to fear the Lord and I want to follow his ways, but if I'm going to do those things, then I'm going to make decisions in my life to drown out other things to make him the priority if he is going to, if I'm going to actually fear him and follow his ways. Um, So the psalmist is saying, like, if you want to thrive and if you want to grow, if you want to feed your soul, then here's what you do. You fear God and you follow his ways. You need to become more determined to do all the things that you know that you should be doing. You need to become more determined to walk in the ways that we already know and that we should be walking. We need to become more determined to fear God the way that we know we should fear God because some of us are just afraid to take that step, to be vulnerable with the Lord, to place our hearts in his hands and say, Jesus, have your way with us. And honestly, I really do wanna pray today that God gives us a new determination this morning to do what we already know to do, but to pray that God would give us an increased determination. Like, can we pray right now before we even go any further? Because I just really felt like this morning, 
Some of you are waiting for something new to be dropped in your lap, and I just don't think you need the new thing. You don't need more information. You need to actually respond to what you already know. Let's pray. Um, God, I just, I come before you right now, and I pray, Jesus, that you would give us this new determination, Lord, that your spirit would give us this, this determination to do what we already know we should do, to free us from the things that hold us back and to keep us from being determined to walk this out. Lord, I pray, I pray, Jesus, that we could walk out of this room today with this new determination to fear you, to follow you, to see your fruit manifest in our lives, Jesus. Pray your hand be upon each soul in this room, God, that as I sit here this morning, I know that some are just thinking, um, this is going to require a lot of me, and I'm not sure I want to take that step. Jesus, I pray that you remind them this morning how valuable and how worth it it is to fear you and follow you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So the, the first point, really simple. Um, is that we need this new determination to fear. And so Psalm 128 one says, Blesses everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. If we're going to talk about this word fear, which I, I, I hate to, I don't hate to talk about it, but it's like a difficult thing to talk about. Um, in, in Proverbs seven it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Or in some of your translations says, or the knowledge of the Holy One is good judgment. Who wants good judgment in their lives this morning? <laughs> Half of you, that's good. Uh, that, makes, that makes me feel good. Um, who wants to make right decisions in their lives this morning? Who wants to stand up against temptation and know what it is you should or shouldn't do? Yeah, I think all of us. Who wants to have judgment enough to actually keep words from coming out of our mouth that we know we're about to say, but have the ability to hold them back? <laughs> There's all the hands. You all have speaking problems. It starts with fear. You want good judgment, fear God. And it's not a popular thing to preach on, like it, but it's, it's biblical. This isn't a new revelation. The, the psalmist is saying this. If you want to thrive and grow and feed your soul, here's what you do. You fear God. First and foremost, you fear God. And so it's something that, that we need, the, this fear of the Lord. It's something that we have to desire. It's something that has to be in our hearts. And it's not this fear that God would strike us with a lightning bolt or that God would poison us if we do something wrong. Because a lot of times people will say things like that to me. Like people ask questions like this all the time. What will happen if I don't do what God wants me to do? Is God going to bring harm and inflict pain upon me? And, and that's their sort of concept of the fear of God. Or, or they have some fear that God is literally out to crush them. But listen, the, the fear that's talked about here, and, and as the Jews would have embraced it, was actually of a fear of a life without God. Can you imagine that? 
a fear of a life without God, a life, uh, a fear of life without God's hand upon you, a fear of a life without God's blessing, a fear of a life without God's covering. And the Jews had example after example after example of this. So two great ones. You look at the life of David. David was blessed. David was doing well. David was making things happen. David becomes trapped in sin. And when he becomes engulfed by his sin, he actually begins to lose battles. And when David reflects back, he says this, I realize that the hand of God is no longer upon me. That's a scary thought. Like, honestly, that, that's a fear that I have sometimes. Like, in, in my role in the church, my role as a husband and as a father, like, I fear God's hand. Like, what... I do not want to live a day where God's hand is not upon me, where God is not covering me, where God is not on my marriage, where he's not upon my kids, or the thought of God's hand not being upon our church. I do not want to see that day. And actually, that fear that I have of what could possibly be if his hand was gone actually pushes me into right judgment, believe it or not. There are decisions I make on a regular basis with this church in mind. There are decisions I make on a regular basis with my wife in mind and with my kids in mind. And there are decisions that I make on a regular basis ultimately with the Lord in mind first because I don't want to move without his covering, without his hand. And that's a scary thought. The second one, another example is this, Samson. How many of you guys remember Samson? So, so maybe one of the scariest verses to read in Scripture, Samson has this strength, and, and this woman Delilah is after him, trying to gather his strength and trying to take his strength from him. And so he, he's not telling her like where this strength comes from or how to lose it, but the Lord had given him this strength, this supernatural strength. And his hair was long. And what he knew is that if his hair was ever cut, that he would actually lose his strength. And then all of a sudden he gives in and he tells Delilah, um, like she's nagged him enough, and here's how I lose my strength, you cut my hair. And, and so she cuts his hair. And then it, the, 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 as the story goes, the Philistines move in and they take him captive. And it's, uh, Samson begins to rear and, and to fight back. And he's going to exercise the strength that he has, and he says, it says this, that Samson went to fight, but the Lord's hand had left him, and he didn't know it. Like, that is the greatest fear we can have, that God's hand would not be upon us, that he wouldn't be with us. And you actually should live your life in a healthy fear of that because without God, you're doomed. We, we are nothing without him. It's scary to think about marching through life thinking that God's hand is not upon you. And oftentimes for me, like the areas that the enemy gets at me most is by reminding me of the things that I've done wrong, causing me to question if God, is God's hand upon me? Like, is he moving here? Is this him that's doing this? Sometimes I'll sit down to prepare a sermon and the enemy starts throwing all these crazy things at me, trying to convince you that God's not with you or, or, or that 
I didn't do this right, or you didn't do that right, or like, you're not the best husband, or you're not the best father, and the enemy just gets in there and he speaks these lies, and sometimes I have to stop for a moment, resist the lies of the enemy, be determined to resist the lies of the enemy, to fear the Lord, and to make the decision to do what God's asked me to do. And it's a healthy fear to embrace. I've heard people speak of this fear before as just a reverence of God, which I get it. Like, yeah, some some people will say, like, well, it's not fear like you're scared. It's fear like you you revere God, like you're going to worship him. And so it's a different kind of fear. No, it's not, actually. Like, if you really want to get into the root word of the word, the root of the word, like you go into the New Testament, let's say, and the Greek word for fear is phobos, which actually is fear. Like, anybody have a phobia? Like, you're afraid of something? Like, you actually fear God. How many people in Scripture were literally struck by God? Like, they, they see the presence of God, and all of a sudden, like, their face is glowing. Or they, they have an encounter with God, and they're knocked onto the ground, and they're blinded. Like, you should fear God because he's God and you're not. And there's a healthy fear where we actually live in submission to him, knowing that he is ultimately in control. He actually grants us life, and he can take life away. He was the one who created all things, ushered all things into being, and can end all things if he wanted to. What a tremendous thing. I I, I was, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I I was actually really struck this week as elementary as this sounds. I I was reading through this passage and seeing where it's like, fear God, follow his ways, and then we're going to get into these blessings that follow your fear of God and your following his ways. And um, it caused me to go on this kind of wild search through the Bible to look for um, the, the, the ble- like the word blessed and blessing in the Bible. And what's really crazy, you go to Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created man in his image, and it says that God blessed him. This is before sin even enters the picture. There was a blessing. Then this blessing was given to Abraham, right? That all the nations would be blessed through him. And then you fast forward, you see where we actually inherit this blessing. We become children of God through whom? Jesus, right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we inherit this blessing of God, this blessed life, like hashtag blessed life. It's not about the boat and the car and the job and everything. It's actually about having my life in Jesus' hands, being saved, sanctified by him. That's the blessing. But then you, you see in Genesis 1 there's a blessing, and then you fast forward and go to Revelation chapter 1. It's really interesting. In the bookends of the Bible, um, Revelation chapter 1 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Blessed at the beginning, blessed at the end, blessed by Jesus in the in-between, amen? Like, God is in the business of blessing. But this blessing comes from sacrifice. Like, we lay down our lives for him. It's not about our agenda, it's about his. And so, anyway, uh, uh, hear me out, like, I'm not trying to condone this works-based gospel that's driven by fear. That's just not it. But I'm saying we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, 
But we better also have a healthy dose of fear of the Lord because though we're saved by grace through faith and though it is his grace that motivates us to action, plenty of men and women in the Bible had a healthy dose of fear of the Lord, knowing that he was good or that he was God and that we were not, that they weren't. Again, somebody once told me that, that you learn God's ways through God's word. And so if we're gonna follow Jesus, the action of being led by him then we're actually going to do what Jesus says. And, and this is the psalmist's reminder to fear the Lord, do what he says. How do you fear the Lord in your workplace? How do you fear the Lord in your family? How do you honor God at work? How do you honor God in your relationships? How do you honor God in marriage? Like how do you honor God in your commitment to the church? How do you honor God in your generosity, in your stewardship of the life that he's been giving you, both in finances and material possessions and time and energy? Like how do you honor God? How do you fear him with everything? It means that everything comes under submission to him, that what he wants goes, that we listen to him, that we would actually surrender, that, that, that we would live in submission to him, asking him what it is he would want from the life that he's granted us, because he can give it and he can take it away, can't he? I'm praying that, that we honestly have this new determination today to fear God. I'm praying that we go into this week with this new determination that we would be afraid to do anything that would actually compromise God's grace and goodness in our life. Psalmist goes on that we should follow his ways. And he says this in verse 2 that you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. What was the blessing a result of? Fearing God and following his ways. The blessing was a result of hard work. I mean, it says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. The, the kid I talked about at the beginning, what was it that he was desiring? Anybody remember what I said 10 minutes ago? Passive income, right? It's another word for, or another phrase for um, getting money for not having to do anything. <laughs> and I think sometimes that is our perspective on spirituality, to be honest with you. We're guilty of wanting passive Christianity. We're guilty of wanting passive spirituality, Christianity that doesn't cost or require anything of you, but allows you to reap the benefits of a life of faithfulness and steadfastness and obedience without having to do anything. And just like that entrepreneur told that kid, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Jesus said following him will cost you everything. And so the psalmist says that the reward you reap will be a result of hard work. And the blessing will follow because of your steadfastness in Jesus. That will impact generations to come. And it's interesting the order that the psalmist writes this passage in. Because I actually think it's intentional. The psalmist starts with God. What's the first thing he says? Blesses everyone who fears the who? Lord. Starts with God. He's the one. You go back to the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. There's one God. One God. And he starts with this. Blesses everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. 
But then the psalmist works his way down, and he begins to talk about us as individuals. There's one God, blessed is he, who fears him, and who follows his ways, who does what he says. And he doesn't stop there. Because the fruit of your fearing God and the fruit of your following his ways, the fruit of your determination to press on, to deny everything else, to make God ultimate in your life is this. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. You want a blessed marriage? Fear God and follow his ways. Fear God, do what he says. He goes on with this. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. You want your kids to spring up in life and produce fruit themselves? You want them to be the, these little men and women as we talked about these missionaries standing before us this morning? Like you want them to follow the ways with Jesus? Then fear God and follow his ways. Teach your kids to fear God. And follow his ways. And so the psalmist works from God. He works into us as individuals. He works into the home. Like your wife and your kids. And then he says this in verse 4. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. He repeats that. The, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And then where does he go? Into the home and then into the what? The city. You want your city to be blessed? Fear God, follow his ways. You want your wife to be blessed, your home to be blessed? Fear God, follow his ways. You want your kids' lives? Fear God and follow his ways and teach them to fear God and follow. You want your city to look different? This is where a couple weeks ago when I was talking about kind of our future vision for Anthem, it's that we be a church that is for the glory of God and the good of the city. And when we say the good of the city, we don't mean social justice stuff that we're going to go do. That will be a result of it. But we mean each individual, if each life in this room fears God and follows his ways, if each marriage in this room fears God and follows, if each parent, like father, son, uh, mother, daughter, like if each family unit in this room can fear God and follow his ways, what kind of impact does that have on the city that we live in? Significant impact. Way better impact than me telling you to leave here today and to go downtown and preach a gospel message on the corner of 3rd and Sherman. A way better impact than me telling you to just go downtown today and just go give somebody 10 bucks. And the reason the impact is more significant is what I'm asking you to do today is lay your life down for Jesus to fear God and to do what he says. Have a healthy dose of fear in your life of who he is, like his power, his majesty, his glory, and follow his ways. Like do what God told you to do. I mean, the only way you're going to know what it is he wants you to do is by reading this book. What are the ways that he's mapping out before us? Because I'll tell you what we do. Oftentimes we'll, we'll go, oh man, my, my life's all jacked up. I need to go find somebody who can help me fix what it is I'm going through in my life. Well, actually you probably should go to the Lord first. You probably should humble yourself before the Lord and acknowledge him that he would make your path straight. And then the psalmist ends with this. May you see your children's children. He says, peace be upon Israel. And I'll end with this. 
that the impact of your life, fearing God and following his ways, is that the generations to come are impacted by it. I often tell my wife, um, I have this pipe dream that's, um, I hate even sharing it with you because I don't want you to think I'm serious, but um, I want to be mayor of a small town. I think that'd be so awesome. Like Dalton Gardens, you know what I mean? Like, like just, I just want to be mayor of a small town. And it's not because I have power or control issues or that I love politics. I actually hate all those things. Um, but what, I, what really intrigues me about um, the city council and our local government is that the decisions they're making for our city now are impacting generations that we will never even be around to see. To think 100 years ago, there were people making decisions on where buildings would be put and where roads would be made, that they would be preparing them, and they had, maybe didn't do a great job of that. But uh, the, the, hopefully they, the, the work and the, 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 the sacrifice and the dedication, the decisions they made for our city, that generations 100 years later would actually reap the benefits of that. And I'll boil that down to our spirituality. You guys, I have parents who did not grow up in Christian homes. I have parents who went through hell in their lives as kids growing up. I have parents who were, were beaten and who saw the worst and had parents that were either drug addicts or alcoholics and whose siblings have been immersed in, the, in that scene. But I have parents that at some time in their life, even before they came to know Jesus, they said, we're actually determined to not do the easy thing, which would be to repeat what it is we saw. And now I look at my life and I think, um, there's a portion of that. I mean, it's all because of Jesus. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for parents that at a point in their life decided we will not take the easy way, we will actually take the hard way and we will change course because our kids' lives will be different. And there's some of you in this room that because you've just been lazy and because your determination has waned you have just resorted to what's easy in your life which is not what's best you want your marriage to be blessed put Jesus first fear God and follow his ways you want your kids to grow up and be faithful followers of Jesus, then lay the foundation for them now, in your home, before they move out. You want your city to look different, your neighborhood to look different. You want the generations to come to be impacted, not by you, but by Jesus, then acknowledge him, fear him, and follow his ways. And in a nutshell like that, that's really all I have for you today, is like, you want to see those things and see the fruit of hard work, but if you're not willing to put the time in and be determined and begin to walk in those ways, then you'll, ever, you'll never actually see the fruit of it. And I am a product of parents who sought Jesus, who were determined to change the course and raise us in a home that God was the foundation of that taught us the fear of the Lord and what it meant to follow in his ways. And, and now I get to reap the rewards of the sacrifice that my parents made.
And my prayer for you guys this morning is simply this, that maybe you don't need that new revelation and you definitely do not need a bunch more information, but I do think that you need a supernatural dose of determination this morning from God to fear him and follow him. Would you guys pray with me?